That number sounded beautiful. Praise the Lord. And uh, Burl, we appreciate your work with the ladies as well. And I'm thankful for the music the Lord has allowed us to have here at Victory Baptist Church. And uh, I hope that the Lord continues to allow us to have this good music. All right, Hebrews chapter number 11. We're going to start there. Hebrews 11 and verse number 32. We've been moving through this chapter. And as I said last week, uh, we are winding up our study. A couple more messages and we'll be finished. Verse number 32 is where we looked at for a number of weeks. What shall I more say? For the time will fail to tell me of Gideon and of Barak, of Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and of the prophets. Then we get a little broad. Who, through faith, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That's where we're at this morning. Stop the mouths of lions. Go to Daniel chapter number 6. There were three individuals in the Bible that stopped the mouths of lions. Really, God's the one that did it on all three accounts. Can you think with me just for a minute? You're thinking, I just thought about Daniel. What about Samson? Do you remember Samson? He tore that lion with his bare hands. Again, God gave him power. And then there was an individual we find in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David said to Saul, I was tending sheep and a lion came and God enabled David to defeat that lion. Now, the specific reference, I think, in Hebrews chapter 11, the verse we just read, is with regards to Daniel, the prophet Daniel, in Daniel chapter number 6. I love the Bible character Daniel, not just because Daniel and I have the same name. I wonder if his middle name was John. I think it probably is in the original somewhere that his middle name was John. (laughs) Uh, Daniel, in the Word of God, really, we know he was a human being, just like we are. But the Bible really doesn't record anything negative about Daniel. And uh, I admire his character. In our text, commentators believe that Daniel was around 80 to 90 years of age. And we know the story of the book of Daniel here does span some of his lifetime. He was taken captive, chapter number 1, from Babylon, right, from Jerusalem, and uh, he was taken captive. He, he purposed in his heart, chapter number 1, that he was going to serve God. He was going to please God, and, and God gave Daniel favor in this particular country, in this ruler. God gave him favor. He came out ten times better. You remember that? He trusted God. We see Daniel through the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. We see Daniel with Belteshazzar. Chapter number 6, the Bible talks concerning Darius, the king. It is amazing to me that Daniel has such favor. Let's read verse number 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. When a new leader takes over, normally that new leader in government would what we might say clean house. And Daniel has gone from Nebuchadnezzar to Belshazzar, now King Darius, or Darius, however you want to pronounce it. And he's still in a high government office. And it's amazing to me that God gave Daniel such favor. He was not replaced. By the way, you see in the Old Testament, kings that came in and they, they killed everybody. And the Bible says this concerning him. Finish verse number one. He said over the kingdom, 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. So the, the kingdom 
It's got 120 rulers, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was the first, that the princess might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Now, we've got three then presidents. Daniel's one of them. We've got 120 princes. We've got this ruler. The kingship is is set up as such, and uh, Daniel is a high-ranking official. Verse number three, then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, some commentators believe that the word first there just means he's one of the three. Verse number three gives indication that the king is desiring possibly to set Daniel then over the whole realm. It's amazing to me, I wish in the United States of America, and maybe we do, we probably have some believers that are in high positions, and maybe I don't know about them, uh, but we know that Daniel is in a very high position here in a pagan land, and God is using him in that land. And we think about that. In the midst of paganism, in the midst of an anti-God world, Daniel chooses to believe God. And again, we've reiterated this over and over in our study. We've got to believe God. We walk by faith, not by sight, believing God no matter what. We live in an anti-God world. And it's becoming worse. Uh, the devil's on a rampage. I think he knows his time is short. And uh, he's on, things are just coming out more and more. I'm thankful for individuals that believe God and that are willing to take a stand uh, for what is, is right. And I want to give you three characteristics of Daniel that I find in this passage of Scripture that I find helpful and that demonstrated his faith in a living God. I want to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive right on in Daniel chapter number 6. Lord, we love you today. We thank you and praise you for the music and for your fellowship with your people And now, Lord, we recognize if any work is to be done here, you must do it. So, Lord, I yield myself to you, and I pray that you would just use me as your servant. Speak to hearts. Lord, I pray that the life of Daniel would inspire and encourage us to walk by faith, believing you no matter what. And, Lord, he made a difference in his day. Would we make a difference in our day? In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to see first concerning Daniel Daniel was a man that was consistent in his walk. He was a man that was consistent in his walk with God. Verse number three, the scripture says, he had an excellent spirit that was in him. He had an excellent spirit. Verse number 10, the Bible says this. Now, Daniel, middle of the verse, the Bible says, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. The word, the idea of an excellent spirit shows a spiritual condition. People knew concerning Daniel that Daniel walked with God. The Bible says here there were three times, three times a day that he kneeled and he prayed before the Lord. In verse number four, the Bible says, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion, no occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. 
It's hard sometimes when you think of Christians in 2023. Hard to find Christians that spend any time with the Lord, that spend consistent time day by day spending time in prayer. Let alone Daniel is praying three times a day. Can I ask you this question? What kind of a man or woman are you? Do people know that you walk with God? Do people know that there's something different about you? You see, Daniel, we know this throughout this this book. Daniel was an individual that knew how to get a hold of God. In chapter number 2, when they're going to kill all the wise men, Daniel says, hold on, give us some time that we might, what, desire mercies of the God of heaven, that we might spend time talking to the God who rules this whole world. You see, Daniel was an individual that consistently walked with the Lord, and everybody in the province knew it. And by the way, it irritated them. (laughs) We don't know if Daniel was a source of conviction to them or not. But I tell you this, if you walk with God, people will know it. The Apostle Paul said this, interesting verse in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse number 1. He said this, Be ye therefore followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Do you know people should follow you because you are following Christ? You know, it's a whole lot easier for children to submit to and follow parents that are following Christ. Do you know it's a whole lot easier for a wife to submit to and follow a husband when she knows that husband is following Christ? You see, Daniel's life was a consistent Walk before God. He didn't wake up some morning and all of a sudden, don't you wish you could kind of swallow a pill and have the whole Bible memorized? Swallow another pill and it makes you a prayer warrior. Swallow another pill and boy, you become a soul winner. It doesn't work that way. You see, in the latter part of Daniel's life, he's in his 80s and 90s. He's still walking with God. You see, the Bible opens up, Daniel opens up with Daniel purposing in his heart that I'm going to please God. I'm going to do what God wants. And we see Daniel as an individual walking with God each and every day and each and every day. And the years click along and the months, years, they click along. And he's in his 80s and he's still walking with God. He's still spending time with God. God had been faithful to him and he was consistent in his walk with the Lord. Listen, we want to be individuals that walk by faith and not by sight. We've got to consistently, every day, walk with the Lord. And people say, well, Pastor, you don't understand, I'm busy. Can I tell you this? If you're you're too busy to spend time with God, you're too busy. Nobody's too busy that they can take a few minutes every day and open the Bible and read our Bible and pray. You want to know what God's will is for your life? You get into the Word of God and you read the Word of God. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One of the greatest privileges that we have is to get on our knees and to get on our face and talk to the God that created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God spoke the Word and the heavens and the earth were created. And that same God is able to act on our behalf if we'll spend time with Him. 
You see, we're going to see a miraculous story, remind ourselves of it. We are familiar with Daniel and the lion's den. But Daniel didn't just become spiritual overnight. Daniel had a consistent walk with God that when Daniel needed, by the way, he needed God more than just in this situation. When he needed God, can I say it this way, God had his back. Because he was on God's side. Consistent walk with the Lord. You know what your children need to see? They need to see a consistent walk with God. You see, a consistent walk with God is key if we're going to make a difference. By the way, Daniel makes a big difference. The king, can you imagine our president standing up and saying on the TV news, I want you all to know that Jehovah God is the Lord of this whole universe. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine our president saying to this world on on television, all, everybody on this planet needs Jesus, needs to serve. You see, we're going to see an amazing impact that Daniel made. But it came because Daniel was consistent in his walk with the Lord. Hey, he didn't miss a day. It was three times a day. Hey, we are hard to get the average Christian to spend one time a day consistently every day of the week, a consistent walk. I want you to see, secondly, as we look at Actually, actually, let me let me. I got to share one other thing with you. <laughs> this is an amazing story here. Um, the emperor of Constantinople was mortally exasperated against John Christendom. One day, in a burst of anger, he said to his couriers, "I would be glad to be avenged of this bishop." Whereupon, four or five of them gave their advice. One said, "This: send him away into a far exile, that you may never see him again." A second said, "Confiscate his property." A third said, cast him into prison, loaded with chains. A fourth said, rid him of, by ordering him to be put to death. But the fifth said this, you will deceive yourselves. This is not the way to punish him. If you send him into exile, the whole world is his native land. If you confiscate his goods, you take from them, from the poor, not from him. If you thrust him into a dungeon, he will kiss his chains and think himself happy. If you condemn him to death, you open heaven to him. Prince, do you wish to be avenged of him? Force him to commit sin. I know him. This man fears nothing in the world but sin. A consistent walk. What do we fear? I want you to see, secondly, not only was he consistent in his walk, but he was persistent in his worship. He was persistent in in his worship. Now, now, you know the story. The four presidents, verse 4, sought the occasion against Daniel, and they said, hey, this guy's faithful. Verse 5, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against him, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Now, we know the other two presidents and some of the 120 princes that were in charge here were, were trying to, uh, to, they were jealous of Daniel, apparently. And they said, hey, we got to do something to get rid of this guy. Isn't it funny that evil's always trying to get rid of good? <laughs> always trying to squelch it out. Always trying to, uh, I guess they feel more comfortable. They conspire. And the Bible says here, we're going to, uh, against his law, verse 6, they get together and they says to the king, king live forever. They kind of deceive the king here. 
And, um, and the Bible says uh, in verse 7, all the princes of the kingdom and the governors of princes, they get together and they're going to make a new decree for 30 days. By the way, how hard would people have to look to find something against you? I'm amazed when I read this. Because he was consistent in his walk with the Lord, the only thing they could find was to create a law. By the way, we live in a nation where they're creating laws. They're trying to create laws to squelch Christians, to keep you from witnessing, to tell you that it's illegal and you can't do it. And you know what? The Bible says we ought to obey God rather than men. And they create a law. I think about this. They create a law. It's amazing because they're trying to do what they can to stop Daniel. Now, O king, verse 8. Established a decree and signed the writing that it be not changed according to the laws of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Interesting, the law of the Medes and Persians could not be changed and could not be changed even by the king himself. And we think about, you know, I think about this chase a little rabbit here a little bit. Some of the things that have gone to trial. Somebody bakes cakes and can't bake cakes according to their own conscience. Thank God that uh, our uh, Supreme Court uh, uh, ruled in favor. I mean, you think about this matter of free speech, and it's, it's free speech for anybody that, except for people that are Christians and want to talk about God or want to say, hey, I'm not going to do something against my conscience. And, uh, and, and they, they, create, they create laws. They deceive the king. Uh, in signing this, verse number 9, Wherefore, king, do I sign the writing and the decree? Now look at verse number 10. By the way, a law that would be signed, according to the Medes and Persians especially, would circulate through the land pretty quickly. And the Bible is clear to tell us something. The next few words in verse number 10, the Bible is clear to say, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, Daniel knew about this law. And the Bible tells us that. I think that helps us as we recognize the stand that he's taking. It's not something that he didn't know about. He didn't know about it ignorance. Sometimes people will, uh, sometimes kids will pleading, oh, I didn't know. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. You know, your mom tells, tells you to do something ten times. I didn't hear you. you know, but they hear, they hear when you say, hey, there's a... Cookies that are done, boom, oh, they're there. They hear all about that. But anyway, that's another idea. Uh, in any event, he knew that the law was signed, and the Bible says he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. time. It was part of his lifestyle. By the way, 30 days, interesting. They say it takes 30 days to form a habit. Maybe Daniel was going to unform, or they thought he was going to unform a habit. But it's interesting, knowing now that it's against the law, the Scripture says he went into the same house, he went at the same time, he went to the same place, to the same windows, he could have kept the windows closed, he could have played, prayed somewhere else, he could have uh, been a closet Christian for 30 days, but Daniel's going to be persistent in his worship of God. He kneels just as he did before, he did it three times. He didn't cut it short. And he continued to gave, give thanks before God. Nothing changed for Daniel. Now, how did they know this? How did they know this? The Bible says, verse 12, they come to the king and they see Daniel's still doing this. Well, they had to kind of gather around Daniel's house. 
Can you imagine the intimidation factor there? Can you imagine how much pressure Daniel had humanly to cave in? But he was persistent. He didn't care what law was created. He wasn't going to be intimidating into changing, talking to God. Can I ask a question? What keeps you from standing for God? How easily are you intimidated when it comes to speaking up or taking a stand or saying, hey, I'm not going to do this? There were guys in the school that I went to. I went to Christian high school growing up, and there were guys in the Christian high school, believe it or not. It wasn't the most spiritual Christian high school, but it was a Christian high school in any event. There were guys that would, uh, believe it or not, were intimidated to pray in front of the other kids for their lunch. The guys would tell me. So what they would do is they'd drop something on the ground, and they'd pick it up, Lord bless my food, and they would eat. In a Christian school, they were afraid to bow their head and close their eyes and talk to the Lord. Intimidation. You see, the devil is going to do everything he can to intimidate us. You can't do this. You can't pray. You can't. Hey, do you know what? We need to take a stand. We need to say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Hey, by the way, we don't see Daniel. I know there were others, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This story is a story, really, we read, where it's just Daniel. Ah, he might have got some encouragement somewhere along the line. But he was willing to stand alone. He was willing to say, I'm going to do right no matter what. And that's what we need to do today. We need to be willing to say, hey, I'm going to stand for God no matter what. I am going to stand for Him. I read a story about Charles Simon. He was appointed as a pastor of a church in Cambridge, England in 1983. He got appointed to this church and the people of the church did not share his joy. Many of the prominent members of the church opposed his convictions on reaching the lost with the gospel. Why would anybody be opposed to reaching the lost with the gospel? In any event, to show their displeasure, they locked their pew boxes. Any of you ever been to Christ Church in Philly? They have those boxes and they lock them up and you go in there. Each one had their own little, and they lock them so people couldn't get in. I might have been tempted to climb over them, but in any event, <laughs> they locked them and left them empty so that those who would come here to hear and preach had to stand or sit in the aisles. Eventually, God began to work, and Simon's ministry had a powerful influence on the nation of England and the world through his efforts. During the dark days of opposition, Simon wrote, In this state of things, I saw no remedy but faith and patience. It was painful, painful indeed to see the church, with the exception of the aisles, almost forsaken. But I thought that if God would only give a double blessing to the congregation that did attend... There would, there would, on the whole, be as much good as if the congregation were doubled and the blessing limited to only half the amount. This comforted me many, many times when without such a reflection, I should have sunk under my burden. Opposition doesn't mean that we're doing things wrong. Often it's evidence that we're doing things right. 
If we allow ourselves to be deterred from doing anything unless we have complete approval, it is certain that we will never accomplish anything of value. Rather than being discouraged by opposition, we should take comfort in God's faithfulness and keep on doing what is right. Standing for what's right. Daniel was persistent in his worship. It's interesting, Daniel was a high-ranking official. But when these princes come to the king and report on Daniel, look at how they describe him. Verse number, verse number 13. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. You think about that. In disrespect, they didn't regard him. Hey, they tried to destroy him. Do you know Satan is always trying to destroy the work of God? Always. The world has nothing to offer us. Satan has nothing to offer us. He appears as an angel of light, but he's trying to always destroy the work of God. He's trying to keep us from taking a stand and to keep us from communicating truth and impacting this world. Number one, he was consistent in his walk. Number two, he was persistent in his worship. I want you to see number three. You're familiar with the story. They throw him in the lion's den. Number three, he was insistent in his witness. In verse number 16, by the way, the king does everything he can to try to get him out of this. The king respected Daniel. Verse 16, he says, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he'll deliver thee. Verse 18, the king goes to his palace and he can't sleep. He fasts, he just can't sleep. Verse 20, he comes to the den, he cries a little mental voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said, O Daniel, servant of the living God, they knew who he served. Is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? And then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. Look at the next two words. My God has sent his angels and has shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me for as much as before him and instantly was found in me. And also before thee, O king, I have done thee no hurt. Look at verse number 23, the latter part there. And no manner of hurt was found upon him. Look at it now. Because he, there's our word, believed in his God. What I love about this story, Daniel doesn't take any credit at all. He gives all credit. To his God. He insists that God get the glory. So much so, I alluded to this already. Look at verse 26. The king says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth. He worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? God gets all the glory. And Daniel gives all the glory to God. You see, Daniel believed in his God.
I'm convinced that the reason God had Daniel's back is because God knew that Daniel would give him the glory. Isaiah 42, verse 8, the Bible says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 31, according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, 17, same thing. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Ephesians 3 and verse 21, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. 2 Peter 5, 11, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. It's amazing the things that this king says about God. It really is amazing. But he says it in response to what? An individual that walked with God. An individual that said, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to worship God no matter what. And an individual that said, it's not me. It's God. You see, God gets all the honor God gets all the glory. God is worthy. A converted Hindu gave the following address to a number of his fellow countrymen. I am by birth an insignificant and contemptible caste. So low that if Brahmin should chance to touch me, he must go and bathe in the Ganges for the purpose of purification. And yet God has been pleased to call me not merely to the knowledge of the gospel, but to the high office of teaching it to others. My friends, do you know the reason of God's conduct? It is this. If God had selected one of you learned Brahmins and made you the preacher, when you were successful in making converts, bystanders would have said it was the amazing learning of the Brahmin and his great weight of character that were the cause. But now when anyone is converted by my instrumentality, no one thinks of ascribing any of the praise to me but God and his due. He has all the glory. God gets all the glory. When we walk by faith and God does something amazing, we need to give him the glory for it. More could be said. Those lions were hungry. The bad guys got thrown into the den, and while they're in midair, the lions tore them into pieces. I tell you this, it serves to pay, it pays to serve God, doesn't it? It sure does. Well, we may not think, hey, something's going to happen. Hey, God, by the way, God's, he, he won. He won already. We're on the winning side. And when I take a stand and I don't allow individuals to intimidate me and I take a stand, hey, I know that I'm on the winning side. And I can know that God has my back. Just like he had Daniel's back. What if you were thrown in the lion's den? I hope it wouldn't be now, Lord. We ain't talked in a little while. I've been kind of busy. You still there? You see, Daniel got in the lion's den. Well, God, here we are. <laughs> we went from the bedroom to the window, and <laughs> here we are in the lion's den. A consistent walk, a persistent worship, and an insistent witness. God, you get the glory. Lord, we love you today.